to serve the Lord, that that would be a part of their growing up, a part of their heart's desire to serve the Lord. You know, we teach our children good things. We teach them to hunt, teach them to play t-ball or soccer. None None of those things are bad, but none of those things are important as learning to serve the Lord. We ought to teach our children, encourage them to serve the Lord, use their voices, you know. If a child will begin at that age to overcome the fear of standing before people and singing and stuff, it just helps them. I think you would all agree it helps them. And so I'm really proud of the parents and the kids and thank the Lord for it. We're going to begin reading in verse 1 of John chapter 10. If you look with me there, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. You know, last Sunday we talked about the shepherd-sheep relationship, so we're going to dive into that a little further this evening. So Jesus goes on to say in verse 2, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, to the shepherd, the porter openeth. So you've got a door, you've got the shepherd who leads the sheep, and to him, the porter, who's like a gatekeeper, openeth the door and the sheep. Hear his voice, hear the voice of the shepherd, And he, the shepherd, calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he, the shepherd, putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable Jesus spake unto them, But they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. We'll look at some more verses in a moment, but we'll pray at this time. Um, I got a text from Victoria asking us to pray for Bill this evening. He's um, sometimes he has problems with his heart rate and and things, blood pressure, and so she asked us to pray for him because he's kind of unsettled about that. And so let's pray for him as we pray for the message tonight. All right. Our fathers, we pray this evening, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the, just the way that your word gives us insight about life, about you, about us. Lord, about the dangers that we face in life. And Father, I pray that you'd bless tonight. We need you, Lord, to help us as we study the scripture to get from it what you have for us. We pray, Father, tonight that you'd bind the enemy any way he would try to distract us or hinder us from receiving what you have for us tonight. We come as eager, ready listeners, and also we want our heart to be prepared, the good soil, to receive the good seed, the Word of God tonight, and help us to grow in grace. And we do pray for Victoria and for Bill tonight. We pray that you'd help him, 
Lord, you just give him peace and uh, help his, uh, just his heart to settle down. And Lord, uh, we pray for that tonight. Pray that you'd guide them, give them wisdom and trust you for that. Father, we thank you for your good grace tonight. We thank you for the so many answered prayers that we can rejoice in in recent days. Lord, how you've helped people and shown yourself strong. And we're, Lord, we just give you the glory and the honor. And I just want to thank you tonight for the glory and honor and praise that's been given to you in this service. And we do pray the rest of the service would bring you honor as well. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much for standing. We're going to be looking uh, this evening at the good shepherd. You know, in verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. In verse 14, he says again, I am the good shepherd. Now, last week, we sort of introduced this subject by 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter, who is an elder, spoke by inspiration to the other elders uh, pastors of churches and admonished them as pastors to feed the flock. Also, he admonished them to be an example, to lead the flock, and also to have the oversight of the flock. And so we talked about the fact that uh, God uses pastors in local assemblies, but we also saw in that passage that Jesus, uh, Peter referred to Jesus as the chief shepherd. So he's the shepherd over all the sheep. But God gives under shepherds to kind of guide the sheep. We'll develop that further later. But that was kind of the first lesson message in this. So here we're looking at this passage in John chapter 10. I want to begin by just focusing on the care of the good shepherd. Again, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He said that twice. And this is a parable. If you look in verse 6, it says, This parable spake Jesus unto them. And it's important to know who that pronoun them refers to. But a parable is like a story from life that helps us to illustrate or understand spiritual truth, spiritual reality. And so this is a parable. But notice what it says in verse 6. This, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. In other words, they were not getting the messages. The listeners didn't understand the relevance of this parable, this story that Jesus was telling them. But it really refers back to, and we'll look at this in just a brief moment, it refers back to the chapter prior to this. In chapter 10, though, let's just stay in chapter 10 for a moment. Uh, the good shepherd is contrasted with thieves and robbers and hirelings. Looking again, just to review in verse 1. Of chapter 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. He's dishonest, he's a thief. And so he's making this contrast between the good shepherd and these thieves and robbers. In verse 8, Jesus said, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. In verse 10, a Real famous verse, the thief cometh not, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, here's the contrast, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And again in verse 12, talking about these thieves and robbers, the, those that were not true shepherds, he that is an hireling, it's an interesting word, a hireling, 
and not the shepherd. Contrast between the hireling and the shepherd. Now what is a hireling? A hireling is like a hired hand. He's just working for a salary, watching over the sheep. He's a hireling, but the shepherd is not like a hireling. The shepherd loves the sheep and cares for the sheep. So it says, but he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, they don't belong to him, seeth, this hireling sees the wolf coming. And what does he do? He didn't protect the sheep. He leaves the sheep and flees for his life and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth him and scattereth the sheep. So we're having this contrast here in John chapter 10. I want you to kind of see the overview. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And he's contrasting that with these thieves and robbers and hirelings and those who would pillage, really, the, uh, the sheep for their own benefit. And I believe that chapter 10 is a a response that Jesus gave to what happened in chapter 9. And we're not, let's look in chapter 9 just briefly. But in chapter 9, Jesus heals a man that was born blind. And in the process of healing this man and the response of the Pharisees, the religious leaders... Jesus is going to expose the hypocrisy of their religion and their belief and also the callousness of these religious leaders who didn't really care about people. They just cared about their, I believe, their own profession. So in chapter 9 and verse 1, just a few verses to bring us up to speed. It says in verse 1 of chapter 9, John 9, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man that was blind from his birth. So that's, we get a picture of what's about to take place. And uh, if you look in verse 6, it tells us, when Jesus, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent, He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Isn't that wonderful? He came seeing. He went went to the pool blind and he came seeing. Isn't that a miracle? What What that mud and spit will do for you. We know it wasn't the spittle and the and the dirt that healed him, it was Jesus that healed him. And so everybody's excited about what's taking place. And the people actually, some of the people, brought this man to the Pharisees. Look in verse 13. They brought him, they brought, excuse me, to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. They want to bring this man who just got his sight and let the Pharisees rejoice in this great miracle. But they were not too excited about it. And verse 16 says, Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man, talking about Jesus, is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Of course, he did. What a a foolish thing for Jesus to do. He healed this man on the seventh day of the week, on the Sabbath day, which is not acceptable. So they don't even care that this man is rejoicing that he can now read the newspaper. They just... They just are mad because Jesus would break the Sabbath day. Verse 16. This man is not of God because he keepeth the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? How did this happen? And there was a division among the Pharisees. And 
Then you have, and I'm not going to read these verses, but following, there's a very interesting, even humorous exchange with the parents of this man that was born blind. They come to, these Pharisees want to know what they know about this, this miracle that took place. Who did this? And, and, and then they're, they're going to quiz the parents, and the parents were afraid really to say because they were afraid. And verse 22 says, they knew that if they confessed that Jesus was Christ, they'd be put out of the synagogue. There's a lot of drama going on here, you know, between these parents and this man. I'm sure this man was just thinking, would y'all just get over it? I just got my eyesight. Let's have a party. But all this, you got all this drama going on. And um, so then they quiz the man himself. And let's look in verse 32 and 33. Since the world began, this man says, Was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? No one ever heard of this. If this man were not of God, he can do nothing. And so this man is saying, you know, it seems pretty simple, really. I mean, whoever knew of someone to heal someone that was all his life, unable to see. So what did the Pharisees say? Verse 34, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, as does thou teach us. What are you trying to teach us, you blind men that got your sight? Why are you? And they cast him out. So they rejected him. They expelled him. That's what religion sometimes can do, isn't it? Callous. Blind. They're blind. These people are blind. And so it says in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, that means Jesus went looking for him. And when he had found him, he said unto him, he said to this man who just received his sight, dost thou believe on the Son of God? And this man answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. You're talking to him. It's amazing, isn't it? I love this. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So that's the reason I believe, when you go right into chapter 10, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus begins to teach them about the good shepherd. He sets before these listeners, these critics, these Pharisees, the difference between the good shepherd and careless hirelings. The good shepherd provides for and protects the sheep. The hirelings cast this man out. Jesus went after the man who was rejected by the Pharisees. And why is that? Because the Pharisees, they couldn't relate to these people. Look in verse 13 again. Uh, just several verses we'll look at tonight. Verse 13, Jesus said, The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. So this is a teaching of Jesus about shepherding. I love John chapter 10. And uh, we, we're not going to be able to get finished with it this evening. We're just going to kind of emphasize one aspect of it but Jesus began this parable by teaching about the sheepfold and the sheep and people you know people in our day don't know how to relate to that but people in Judea certainly knew how to relate to that 
a sheepfold is basically a pen, like a place you would, you would hold sheep and protect the sheep, primarily at night. During the day, the sheep would graze wherever they could find grass where the shepherd would lead them. But the sheep pen was where they would be protected. The shepherd would come into the sheepfold and he would lead the flocks out of the sheepfold in the morning to go and graze and, and wherever they could find grass and come back. We have a couple of pictures of, of a couple of photographs or a drawing of a sheepfold and um, we're looking for them. Just kind of, there we go, see what it looks like. Now that's, that just shows, that's a typical one. It's built with rocks. I've seen many of them when we were in Israel. They weren't this nicely constructed, but you'd see them on the hillsides. They're like, they're like and you notice there's a door there and there's a, and there's somebody watching the door. It could be the shepherd. It could be the porter. It could be some the gatekeeper. That's what the porter was, like a gatekeeper. There's another one, more of a primitive kind of a sheepfold. And you'd see these kinds, just sticks put together and somebody watching the door and the sheep are in there. So when the, Jesus talked about a sheepfold, you know, you may not know what it relate to it, but that's what the, the people in, in Jesus' day certainly would. Thanks, guys. So... In these, in, in, on the hillsides and in towns and villages, shepherds might even combine their flocks at night. They would bring their flocks into a common place, a sheepfold, and, uh, and they always have a single entrance. And that's why Jesus said, you know, in verse 1, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but by, climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. There's only one one way you're supposed to get in. If somebody came over the fence to attack the sheep or to steal sheep, they're thieves and robbers. So there could be several flocks of sheep and the shepherd and an individual watchman, as you saw in that picture, could watch them at night. And, and the shepherd would come, though, and he would come in by the door and he would lead his sheep out. And the porter, you know, it, looks, it says in verse... Uh, two, the he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, to the shepherd, the porter openeth. He's like a gatekeeper. But the sheep hear the shepherd's voice, and he calleth his own by name and leads them out. And I've, you know, I've read much about this. I'm sure many of you have. There are a lot of books written on this subject, but it, it's it's a proven fact that you could have a, you know, you could have a sheepfold, a pen, corral full of sheep from different flocks. But when the shepherd of a particular flock comes in and speaks to them, they recognize his voice. And they'll follow that, ship, that shepherd out. And he can lead his sheep out and the other sheep won't follow because they don't know his voice. And, and so the, the sheep, and that's what Jesus is talking about in verse 4 where it says, When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice voice. They won't follow a stranger. Verse 5 says, a stranger will they not follow. And then Jesus is teaching something that is so familiar to these people. And then he makes an amazing statement in verse 7. When Jesus said unto them, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm the door. And look what it says in verse Verse 8, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I believe that's a reference to these Pharisees, to these, to these religious bigots, really, who didn't really care about the people and loved the people. 
Verse 9, Jesus said it again, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I am the, I'm the door. There's only one way to get into this sheepfold, this flock that he's building, and he is the door. And he says, if any man enter in, if any man goes through the door, he shall be saved. Now again, these Pharisees rejected Jesus as the Messiah. When he claimed to be the Son of God, they accused him of blasphemy. He was a blasphemer. He was claiming himself to be God. But he is the only way of salvation. There's only one door you can go through and be in this flock that Jesus is building and he is the door. The door is not the baptistry. The door is not a religion. The door is not some organization. There's one door and it's a person and his name is Jesus. And he not only is the door, he's the shepherd. He's the shepherd. Look in verse 11 he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and have known of mine. So what, this is a great picture here to me. It's a great picture of salvation. It's a great picture of Jesus, the door to eternal life. It's a great picture about false teachers who really thieves want to pillage the sheep. Thieves want to profit from the sheep. But the shepherd wants the sheep to prosper. The shepherd cares about the flock. And Jesus is the good shepherd. I say it again because it's just so strongly presented in this passage in verse 12. The contrast. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. So the hireling is not like the shepherd. When he sees trouble, he runs. He flees. And wolves can scatter the sheep. And you know why he flees? Because he's a hireling. Look in verse 13. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. He, he's a hireling. He's, these sheep don't belong to him. He doesn't care about the sheep. The hireling only cares about getting his pay. And if danger comes, he runs, he flees. The sheep don't belong to him. He's more concerned with his own safety than the safety of the sheep. Thank God for the good shepherd, amen? He cares for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. You know, just tell you briefly uh, about a very dark time that we had went through as a church. This was a lot of years ago. About 20, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, maybe a little more. And I've been pastor of the church here, of course, since right after Noah got off the ark. <laughs> Over 40 years. In all those 40 years, there's only been one time that I ever thought about leaving. And that was during that dark time. And... It was such a hard time on our family and a hard time on the church that for the first time in my life, I thought, maybe, maybe I'm done here. Maybe I should leave. But then I thought this. 
if I leave, what's going to happen to these sheep? And I didn't say because I didn't stay for any other reason than because I wouldn't want to leave the sheep to a bunch of wolves. The, the, a real shepherd cares about the sheep. Doesn't care just about his paycheck or even his own family or convenience or whatever. But the good shepherd is Jesus. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's always with us. He, he cares. The whole point I want to emphasize tonight is he cares for the sheep because they belong to him. The good shepherd, look in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. That's a relationship. The, the shepherd has a relationship with the sheep. He knows the sheep. And he takes care of the sheep. He observes the sheep. We talked about this last week. He's an overseer of the flock. He tries to make sure he understands what's going on in their life. And he, the sheep know him. It says in verse 14, And am known of mine. The sheep know him. And I want to ask you this tonight before I, before I move on. Answer it in your own heart. Do you have a relationship with the good shepherd? Salvation, when you go through the door, and Jesus is the door, when you go through the door, you enter into eternal life. You enter into the kingdom of heaven. You enter into what God intends for every one of us to have and that's to be born again, to have, a, have Jesus as our Savior. and we He's our shepherd. We follow him. Hear me tonight. If you don't have a relationship with the shepherd, you ought to be asking yourself, Is this, do I have what's real? It's not just saying, well, yeah, I remember back when I was a kid, I got baptized and, or at camp. I made this commitment. I, I don't care about God or the Bible or anything like that. I sleep in church. I don't really care what's going on. I'm telling you, that is not salvation. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's going to take care of his sheep, but he's also going to guard his sheep, and he's also going to protect his sheep, and he's also going to correct his sheep. Aren't you glad about that? He's the good shepherd. He has a relationship with the sheep. Look in verse 27. It says, Jesus said, this a little further down the chapter, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, let's think about that for a moment. My sheep hear my voice. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean Jesus speaks to us in an audible way? No. No, it doesn't mean that. We know that that's not true. How does Jesus, if his sheep know his voice, how do we know his voice? How does he speak to us? And everyone here almost would know the answer. He speaks to us through his word. This is his word. This is how he speaks to us. Have you ever been reading your Bible and just meditating on the Scripture and, and it's like the Lord's, not in an audible voice, but in a, in a way that you understand it's from the Lord that He 
speaks to you, maybe corrects you or shows you something, encourages you about something, or maybe just preaching. You're listening to preaching and preaching. Someone's preaching the Word, and and the Word of God just speaks to your heart, and and it's just as though God Himself was speaking to you. Some people don't know anything about that, but most people in this room know something about that. They know what it's like for God to speak to them through the Word of God. This was one of the most amazing things that happened in our life when we came to the Lord back in 1975. I would go to church and I knew nothing about the Bible. I didn't know about the songs. I, you know, I didn't know anything about anything. But I went to church and I'll tell you, I had a preacher that would open up the Bible and he would preach the Word of God. And I, with God as my witness, if God, it was like God had me pinned and I was the only one in the room and God himself was speaking to me through the Word of God. Does God ever speak to you through the word of God? My sheep hear my voice. We're not following men. We're following the voice of the shepherd if we're following the word of God. Jesus is the good shepherd. In this passage, Jesus is teaching about shepherding. And he's teaching about himself being the good shepherd. But I want to say this, which is kind of an application of this word about Jesus and shepherding, and that is this. I believe all of us, to a degree, ought to be involved in shepherding. You know, Jesus Jesus saw people as sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus wanted his followers to see people as sheep without a shepherd. So that's a, that's a different application. It's a matter of shepherding, but it's real. I'm just talking about the care, Jesus cares, the shepherd cares for the flock, and I think he wants his disciples to care in that way. That's why we, I believe this is another way of looking at this John 9 and John 10. Jesus went after that man. Jesus was the shepherd who went after that man that he might bring that man into the fold that he might save that man and I know that Jesus is the good shepherd and I believe that pastors are shepherds who shepherd God's flock but I think all of us in a sense are shepherds I think parents are to shepherd their children I think Sunday school teachers can shepherd their class I think bus captains can shepherd the children who ride in on their bus That's what the ministries of the church is about. It's not just about having one shepherd. We're to care about people. We're to reach people. We've been talking and praying about our hope program and and how we need to get that hope program up going again. We had someone come into the building yesterday evening when we were here for the uh, couples activity looking for because they saw the sign about the hope program Sheep need shepherds who care for them. Let me tell you something. We're, we're, I know we, we're all different ages and we're all different stages of our Christian life, but we're to, be, we're to be shepherds for God. There's a world full of sheep that are wandering around aimlessly who need a shepherd, and they don't just need a pastor, they need Jesus, but we're the ones that can point them to Jesus. The, the good shepherd cares for the sheep. I'm going to 
cut this off here in just a moment. Look in verse 10. Here's the, here's the summary of the, the contrast between the thief and the shepherd and the goal, the desire, the purpose that Jesus has for us. Look in verse 10. The thief cometh not, the thief cometh not, but for this. This is why the thief comes, to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. First sermon I ever preached here in St. Clair up at the Murray School many years ago. I used that as my text. I love this passage of Scripture. If my wife, my wife might have thought of it last night if she would got asked what my favorite verse is, but she probably wouldn't have. By the way, I might as well make things right too. She exaggerated a little bit about her, the number of shoes she has. You weren't there, you wouldn't understand that. She said she probably had 50 pairs of shoes. She counted them. She had 47. (laughs) Not counting her house shoes. (laughs) Wicked, evil. That's another sermon. The thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I... I love that text because that's how I looked at my life before I came to the Lord. The thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and destroy. And that's exactly what he was doing in our life and family. Stealing and killing and destroying. And that's what he wants to do in your life, young person, or anybody else's. The thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and destroy. That's why he tries to get people at odds with their parents and at odds with the church and out of church because he wants to destroy your life. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundant. The abundant life is in Jesus Christ. He gives us life. He gives us eternal life. He gives us meaningful, purposeful life. The shepherd wants to take advantage of the sheep But the shepherd wants to save the sheep. All of us are vulnerable, but the true shepherd wants to save. That's the desire of the good shepherd. I ask you tonight, number one, is he your shepherd? I didn't ask if your name's on a church roll. I ask you, is Jesus your shepherd? Have Have you gone through the door? There's only one way in. And that's through the door. And he's the door. He is the door. And he is the shepherd. You go through him, through the door, then he leads us out and cares for us and directs us and protects us. Number one, if you're not saved tonight, you need the Lord. You need him. You ought to come to him tonight. This is not, this is serious business. This is serious business. I only have one regret about getting saved, and that is I got saved when I was 21 and not when I was about 9 or 10 or 11 or 12. I would love to have lived my life as a teenager following Jesus Christ and serving God with my life. Some of you have that opportunity, but you got to be saved first. If you're not saved, you ought to get saved. Really saved, born again. And then I want to say, if we're saved, we ought to be caring about people. 
We ought to be reaching out to people. The shepherd, we're, the, we're sheep, but we're, he, the shepherd lived within us. The good shepherd. He cares about people. Sunday school teachers understand that when they stand before their children and it's not just declaring a lesson, it's a matter of caring about the spiritual life and progress of those kids. We ought to be praying that, Lord, help me to have the heart of a shepherd, caring for my own children, shepherding my children. Don't let the world shepherd your children. You shepherd your children. Shepherding those that God gives us an opportunity to minister to. Jesus is the good shepherd. Thank God for that.